We have a very special guest today for NBS 30. We have Cam Hewlin. Cam was diagnosed with a very aggressive form of brain cancer in his senior year of college at Biola University and has since miraculously recovered. Needless to say, Cam has a lot of lessons he's learned about humility, faith, and endurance. Um, I'm really excited to share this episode with you guys, um, as Cam has an amazing story and was so willing to share it. Um, I hope you enjoy. If you'd like to support the podcast, the best way to do so is to share with someone that you think may find it interesting uh, or give me feedback. And without further ado, here is Cam Hewlin. All right, Cam, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, of course. Thanks for doing this. I appreciate it. Um, I'm super excited uh, for you to, to share your story. I remember we were standing in line at Tory graduation and you were, you know, you're the, you were the sword bearer and I'm carrying one of the flags behind you. Um, but we, I was asking you about your story and I was so inspired by, um, by your story, obviously an amazing story. Um, and a miracle. So I wanted to kind of share that story, um, give you an opportunity to share the story. Um, but let's start with just like, you're at Biola, you're, mm -hmm. you know, freshman year. So you just graduated. What's your, what's your major? Uh, so I did not just graduate from okay, Biola. Actually, graduate. I'm still withhold uh, six credits, I believe. Okay. Uh, so okay. I'm a, I'm a business marketing major at Biola. Yeah. Um, however, uh, I missed last semester, so the last spring semester, um, due to cancer treatment, so radiation, chemo, that type of thing. Um, and then I also go to Cal State Fullerton. I have a military science minor. Um, and that may change schools. Uh, we don't know yet, so there's still a lot up in the air. But yeah. I am technically a college dropout, actually. Okay, nice. Hey. <laughs> Although not not formally, not planning on staying in that way. So. Right, right. Yeah. So talk to me. Have you been business? Uh, you said marketing, right? That's right. Uh, have you been marketing the whole time? So I think you are. It's mandatory to declare a focus. I believe sophomore or junior year, maybe in the business school. I think okay. junior year. Uh, so my junior fall is when I declared marketing after I had a first class with uh, Professor Harmon. It was like an intro to marketing class. Um, and I really like it a lot because it's very practical uh, education and teaching. Like I actually got to go do a project on a couple of different gyms and try and compare and contrast and see what I liked about this one gym. And uh, it was a CrossFit gym that I was actually working at at the time um, in Anaheim, California. And then I was comparing it to Crunch. And then trying to find like uh, what I would like to do if I was to build a gym in Southern California tomorrow. Okay. So, cool. Um, and that's what got me into the whole marketing thing because he teaches all the marketing classes. So for all Biola students, would fully recommend. It's very in person, face to face, lots of that kind of thing. So cool. So talk to me about you know first three years. You're um, doing the military science minor. You're in the business program. I know you're, you know, you like to stay in good shape. Um, so talk to me a little bit about like what you, how you were envisioning uh, the future playing out. Um, and then you can kind of tell about, you know, how that changed and um, stuff like that. 
Sure. Yeah. So I guess we'll start with like when I was looking at colleges all over the place and that kind of thing. And um, uh, my parents actually teach at a school here in Jackson, Tennessee, where I'm from, um, called Union University, which is a great school. Um, but I was interested in kind of getting out and seeing where I could go and that kind of thing. And um, so I figured out I needed uh, someone to pay for my school because I couldn't afford it myself. And I could have gone to Union because my parents worked there, but I was interested in kind of seen around and um, I think it was like junior year of high school, I was started getting really interested in all kinds of military things and all that. Um, and then I figured out that the army can pay for your college. So mm -hmm. I was able to apply and receive my senior year, like a four-year academic scholarship um, to where any school with an ROTC program that I could get into, I could attend uh, with four years of tuition paid by the army, which is a huge blessing. Highly recommend if there's anybody who's applying to colleges listening to it. Um, yeah. Best leadership program out there. So, um, so that's how I got. So I essentially got that, and then they were like, "You can go." You know, now you got to pick your school, right? Um, and I started looking all over the place, literally coast to coast, um, and decided on the Biola thing because I went on a Biola bound trip actually like a long time ago and kind of fell in love with the place. Um, yeah, I was still really interested in uh, Christian education, knowing that I would be in a very secular environment for most of my like working day. Um, and that type of thing. So uh, Biola was awesome. And it kind of more than fulfilled all those things. So all those desires. So right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think there's so many people who end up touring Biola, and then they, they wouldn't have really thought about like, Oh, I'm going to go to Biola, but then they tour Biola. And it's like, boom, perfect fit. Um, mm -hmm. So yeah, that's I hear that story. Yeah, I had a gut feeling. I had actually committed to Wheaton with the Army because their ROTC program had been interviewing me, and I liked all the guys I met, and it's a Christian ROTC program. It's the only one in the country, which is really cool. Um, yeah. And that's up in Illinois. That's a, another Christian school. And uh, I still had a Biola visit, so I made it out there, and I ended up having to switch. So I had to apply with the Army to switch the education that I had selected oh, and fine. sent up to them. Um, but you know, God works it out and he has a plan for everything. So he sent me over to Southern California, but I tell you what, doing a PT every morning when the coldest it gets, you know, is like what, 45 degrees, 50 degrees. Yeah. I'm sure it's much nicer than uh, getting up several college mornings and running around in the snow and that kind of thing. <laughs> so sure. yeah. kind of the Shangri-La, you know, right. <laughs> in, in that sense, in that sense. So, yeah. Yeah. So talk to me about what your first, uh, three years at Biola look like um, being in the, the army program, um, being in Tory. Um, what do your days look like? That kind of thing. Yeah. So uh, I believe Biola still only holds like between four to six army cadets a semester, if even that much. Um, so it's very rare around here. I think air force at uh, USC is really popular at Biola. Um, so, that was like uh, moving to California and then trying to adjust to like so many different things at once. I think when I was a, a freshman it was very overwhelming. Um, trying to understand like, um, you know, I'm, I'm gone every morning and um, my roommate and I, uh, this was a huge blessing, but I was actually paired with a roommate and all that. And then I found out there was another cadet my same age uh, going to Biola my freshman year. Um, who was uh, on a four-year scholarship. We went over to Cal State Fullerton every morning. And so we ended up um, negotiating, uh, getting out of both of our housing contracts and getting into the same one. 
which was the biggest blessing ever. So, uh, yeah, I got to live with Mitchell Sullivan for two years and it's just amazing to have another guy, you know, that's going to make sure that you're up in the morning or you're sometimes you'll make sure he'll wake up in the morning and that kind of thing. Because, um, uh, yeah, so timeline wise, what that usually ends up boiling down to is I usually spend like four, four 30 to 10 AM in the mornings at, um, Cal state Fullerton doing, all kinds of different things. Um, and on Fridays are the long days there. Um, and then usually my whole afternoon evening is, uh, is classes, not whole afternoon evening. I'm not that kind of, um, that kind of college student, but, uh, a lot of the, a lot of the afternoon evening was Biola classes, Biola, um, Tory classes, that kind of thing. So, yeah, yeah, that's what those first three years looked like, except with the COVID, you know, that's Um, true. That's a good point. Yeah. I didn't even, I honestly forgot that. So were you doing, were you still over at Fullerton during COVID or did you get mm-hmm. sent home? Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So, I, well, I did get sent home at the end of the, so it happened during our spring semester, I believe is when it first started going around and all that. And so they did shut down for the end of that semester. Um, but I actually came back to California for the next semester, that fall semester, and ROTC was back in person. They got approved by Cal State Fullerton, even though Cal State Fullerton was closed down. It was, um, but that was amazing because it's just, uh, I love, you know, being in person and seeing people and doing things and that kind of thing. Yeah, totally. Yeah. So you're, you know, for three years, you're a pretty active person. Um, You're involved in a lot. Um, You're, you know, performing at a high level, doing these classes and the long mornings and stuff like that. Um, when did that start to change? Um, when did you start to feel different? Um, and what were you, what was going through your head um, as that was happening? Um, as far as sickness goes, you're referring to? Yeah, so um, I think I was in denial that I was sick for a long, long time, like too long of a time uh, where most likely not healthy. Um, so another thing I've been learning over the past uh, eight to 10 months is uh, trying to, you know, take some rest, take a break, yeah. that kind of thing. Um, Cause I had not learned that. I had very much learned to go, go, go. You know, if you're not going, you're doing something wrong. So um, yeah, but looking back on it, let's see. So they think I've had that, you know, stage four tumor, cancer, whatever um, in my brain for at least, uh, at least my sophomore year through senior year, wow. um, okay. possibly earlier. Um, and I'd been compensating in several, several different ways. So, um, the first thing I lost was remembering first names. Um, and I put it to the fact that I know too many people and I can't remember first name. So it was just, um, I used to be very, very social and could meet you and remember your name forever, that kind of thing. Um, and it was only people that I was very close to and had several conversations with and that thing who I would remember their names. Um, so that was that was one thing. Um, I also started having to write down stuff a lot more um, because uh, short-term memory uh, was one of my uh, brain states that was affected um, by the type of cancer I have and all that. Um, so those things both happened. I was needing a lot more sleep than I normally do, which is not a bad thing. Sleep is healthy. Yeah. And I, I think uh, it only took me about a semester to learn how to sleep, even though I'm getting up pretty early and all that. So um, mm-hmm. grateful for that too, because I know a lot of people still don't have that figured out. <laughs> it's a, it's a good skill to have to know how to mm-hmm. sleep properly. That's right. 
it's very underrated. So, um, yeah, but, you know, and sometimes that puts you uh, in a bad light because you're, uh, you know, saying no to people because you're going to bed at nine o'clock, you know, but that's how it goes. And, um, and yeah, so I was, I used to be able to, I say used to, um, but I was starting to need an actual good, at least seven hours of sleep a night. Um, which was not what I used to be able to feel like fully function on. Um, and I started getting super dependent on caffeine and, um, I realized that caffeine's addicting and all that. So I would get off it for a month. And then that whole month I would have like really bad headaches, like for the whole month. And most people need like a week to recover. And so I thought I was addicted to caffeine, but it was kind of funny because I'd drink, um, you know, an energy drink or like a black coffee or something like that at 9 PM at night and still just like go right to bed. Um, and so I was, well, obviously after I was diagnosed, I realized that that whole time I was trying to rest because my body was trying to recover, um, from, uh, you know, a big tumor in my head. So do a battle. Yeah. Yeah. Do a battle. So that's what I think a lot of that battle was going on over sleep time. Um, but okay. one of the biggest blessings that is really and truly from the Lord, because the doctors haven't seen this before is that my brain has been redeveloping for those two to three years, um, which is kind of an anomaly. So this, um, my type of cancer is, as previously stated, like a, a large mass of tumor inside my brain, which takes up a big chunk of my brain. Um, thanks be to God, I have a big old noggin. So uh, there's more space in there than for most people. But at the same time, my uh, stuff that I had mentioned, like short-term memory and all that, um, has been redeveloping in my right hemisphere as my left hemisphere was basically entirely removed. Um, and so I'm a right-handed individual. Um, so my left hemisphere is supposed to be the dominant, uh, source of all my reactions, interactions, that type of thing. Um, and so before not only my first neurosurgery in California, but my second one in Memphis, Tennessee, both times, it was very, uh, very, very risky that I would lose motor function, um, that kind of thing. And so far there have not been any definite deficits by the grace of God, which is, yeah. I mean, just an amazing blessing, but, um, yeah, so they're, they're kind of studying me at the hospital I'm at right now. And they're trying to figure out how is he still functioning um, because of how much brain that they took out <laughs> the fact that yeah. I'm still able to do everyday things and work in a job and all that, um, is really like the only way I can describe it is in God's hands. Right. <laughs> but, yeah. um, I really, that's a, a way that I really feel taken care of by the Lord throughout all this. Yeah. So. so amazing. Um, yeah, absolutely. And, and I, that that to me is one of the coolest parts of the, your story um, is that, you know, there's a there's a little bit of mystery in it of like your brain somehow figured out a way to to cope or, you know, as you're saying, God helped your brain figure out a way to cope um, to redevelop. Yeah, yeah to redevelop. literally um, grow back is the way I like yeah. to say it. It's kind of <laughs> yeah. a weird so way to put to it. Me, that's like that's like one of the most amazing things about the story. Um, I do want to go back. I want to, I want to, so you were saying like you were in denial for a long time. Like you feel these symptoms and you're kind of like masking them, avoiding them. You're in, you're in denial. What's the moment where you say, okay, no, like I need, I need to go see somebody. Something is really wrong. Yeah, I think, um, so what started happening to me, um, is I started, so I was the, my senior year, 
of school. I was a captain of the Ranger Challenge team at um, Cal State Fullerton. And Ranger Challenge it probably sounds cooler than it is, but it's just you compete with other colleges um, and all kinds of, you know, marksmanship, uh, rucking and running around and doing a bunch of fun stuff. So, um, and it's a really great time. And uh, what I was doing is that, you know, so I was in charge of it. I had a whole the semester planned out for our competition and all the all these things. And um, obviously it means we work out for two hours in the morning instead of an hour. So you're getting up earlier. And um, I, especially during that time, even more so than usual, I eat extremely healthy and, you know, are trying to still get great night's sleep and recover fully physically, and all that kind of thing. And every morning, so I would get up around four. Um, and then until noon, I would throw up like mm. every morning for, oh man, um, probably about two weeks, I think. Wow. Uh, and it was really like embarrassing, right? Because I'm in charge of these 12 guys that we're working with. And, you know, I'm uh, I'm telling people what to do and how to do it, that kind of thing. And I'm just like going away and puking off the side. You know? wow. <laughs> and then... Uh, trying to go do it myself and it was like i would drink like a sip of water and then throw it up you know and so but what was really weird about that is every day at noon um as soon as noon hits i could eat whatever i want drink whatever i want i have no stomach issues anything like that um and so yeah i was very very confused and i was at first i was like i ate some kind of you know raw fish or like some kind of some problem with my stomach you know that's it's processing and it went on for a long enough time um and uh my my fiance allison wells is actually intelligent enough to tell me to do things like go to the doctor yeah <laughs> uh, you know so that's shout out to her uh she's right. very helpful person and an awesome person <laughs> but uh she's like yeah you definitely need to go to the doctor and i was arguing about it for a long time i was like feeling healthy quote unquote all this right. stuff well, and well, when you're doing all the the workouts and you're eating right and you're sleeping right you think oh no i'm fine mm -hmm. uh, it it's not exactly the picture of um of sickness that you you have in your head um to be exactly able to, you know, go and work out so exactly sense. yeah so and then the the funny part is i went to the doctor i went to an urgent care in i think close to fullerton i can't remember um which one and the doctor told me i was chronically stressed out and um i was like i don't know i i'm not emotionally unintelligent so i was kind of aware of like things that stress me out and what stresses me out and how i can react to those things and um i think uh you know grace of god i've been able to kind of figure that out slowly and so by senior year it wasn't you know i i'm not a stressed out person but i think he was just asking me what time do i get up as a college student what time do i go to bed and all that and he so he gave me stress medication and I'm kind of stubborn about it. And so I didn't take any of it or anything um, because I was like, I don't need stress medication. Like I know when I'm stressed and all that. Um, and I kept throwing up. So shout out to Dr. Hawking at Biola University. But I, a week later, after I was still throwing up every morning and then could eat whatever I want after 12 p.m., um, I went to go see her. And she said immediately, like hearing exactly what I was doing and because she knows me pretty well, she's written off some paperwork for the army for me, which is awesome because you have to get physically analyzed to make sure you're healthy yeah. um, and all that kind of thing to go to schools in the summer and that, that type of stuff. Um, she was like, you need to go get an MRI, which is like a scan um, of your head. Um, and so what I was originally thinking is I have a big concussion history from 
high school sports and different types of work and that type of thing. Uh, and so uh, she was worried, I think, about brain bleed, uh, possibly like somewhere. But I mean, she was really close to it. And she got me into she wrote me a letter to go get me a scan. Um, and they gave me a CT scan at a place in Fullerton at a hospital in Fullerton. Um, and uh, they shipped me on ambulance straight over to UC Irvine. And they were like, you need neurosurgery like tomorrow. And I was like, oh wow. gosh, like, yeah. <laughs> this is so kind of crazy. Do they tell you, do they give you the diagnosis on the spot or they're what? No. So yeah, that's the really interesting part too, is um, they did not do a whole lot of research on what kind of tumor. So apparently a lot of tumors that people have in their brain are benign actually, mm -hmm. which is pretty cool. It just basically means they're not, um, a type of cancer and that so no one really knows where they come from no one really knows how people get them all that type of thing um and so yeah they basically just like cracked it open uh and pulled out as much as they could and then they tested it and so i got diagnosed about a week later with astrocytoma so 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 it was the size that was concerning not that they didn't yes know what exactly it is yeah yes well but what i found out later when i came and got a, a resurgery in memphis because they fixed all the things that got botched in california is that there are ways to analyze what types of oh, cells yeah. are in there and all this kind of thing um but yeah so uci i'm sure it's a great hospital i'm sure they do a lot of really good things but i know the neurosurgeons there do sometimes three surgeries a day and these surgeries take at least five hours. I mean, my one here in Memphis, I think was closer to 12. Um, so like, I just can't imagine going through an 18 hour day and you're literally like carving someone's brain. Out. Yeah. <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? Uh, so yeah, kind of just very crazy, but try and get as much, as many answers as you can from someone before you let them crack your head open. Right. I would highly recommend. I thought they were, you know, professional doctors doing the right thing. I'm sure they were doing their standard, you know, and that, but yeah, yeah. it is important to realize if you're ever going to very critical surgery, uh, that there are, you know, good places and bad places to get those types of surgeries. How long, yeah. what, how long was the time between the first and the second? So, yeah. So after the first one, um, then they found out it was cancerous tumor and they couldn't pull the whole thing out because it was intertwined with some of my healthy uh, parts of my brain. So if they were to do so, they would pull out, you know, memory and function and stuff like that. Um, stuff so, yeah, yeah. But at, and at UCI, they took out, they, they claimed that they took out, um, I think, 80 to 85 percent, I believe. Um, and they really took out about 40% because they didn't do proper testing before they did surgery. Wow. So I, I got back and I thought I was going straight into chemo and radiation. I got back to Memphis because it's where my family's from. And I just needed like a place to stay where people would really, really like care for me. Not that people in California would not care for me, but um, I was kind of in a, like, I really was in a bad spot after my first surgery because uh, the amount of function that he basically mm -hmm. stole or shut down um, by like, uh, vision issues and all kinds of other stuff that was going on after that first surgery. And now I understand why, um, because the, uh, the surgeries down in Memphis where I got my second one is actually a blessing, but, um, those neurosurgeons do one every three days. Um, and they fully survey the whole patient before. So like, it's amazing and fascinating what they can do with the brain, but they shut down half of my brain and asked me a whole bunch of questions and then shut down the other half and asked me while I was like strapped up to all these wires and they were basically testing 
what parts can we touch and harm and what parts can we not and um it's obviously more complicated than that i'm making it sound very simple but uh a doctor right <laughs> yeah yeah i guess so but yeah neurosurgery is it's fascinating and um yeah it's it's quite amazing what some places do and others don't um and yeah. i think i think doctors in general probably need healthier working spaces because i think a lot of them are especially surgeons are like very overworked and i feel yeah. bad for them like legitimately um yeah. with the amount of work that they have to do during the day. But then again, I, I know a residency for a neurosurgeon is, I think they said 18 years. So imagine college, med school, 18 more years, and then you're a doctor. Yeah. yeah. It was like, man, I don't know how many people can do that. So Right. Yeah. There's, there's a high demand and low supply for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. What, what are you um, feeling in the time after the, like in between the two surgeries? Um, are you scared? Are you um, like, you know, hopeful? What, what are the emotions going through your head at that time? So I think before the first surgery, um, I was very much like, well, it just needs to happen. You know, like whatever it is, it needs to be removed. And yeah, just go ahead and do it. You know, I yeah. felt like California was the place to get a neurosurgery and that type of thing. And and then, uh, and it was quite astonishing to be honest, because I was supposed to be for like a week after that surgery in the hospital and they let me out the next day, they discharged me. And uh, it just so shows how non-aggressive uh, surgeries are allowed to be, I think, and like on the West Coast in general um, for legal reasons. But uh, so I was feeling like really good, like you did a good job and all that. And then I heard that I had cancer, right? And so, um, that definitely spiraled me very deep down, um, I think in a dark place for a day or two or maybe more. Um, it was just really hard to cope with um, thinking of like immediate death um, and so many other things. And uh, and I tell you what, the hospital that I'm at now has uh, done so much good for me, not just like physically, but mentally and the ways they interact with me and treat me um, is just been quite amazing and honestly humbled me a lot too because uh i think that's one of the biggest things i've taken away from all this is uh i i am very bad at kind of trying to rely on myself way too much um mm. and so it's really important for me to learn how to rely on other people and and do that not just people right but rely on a, a god certainly greater than i am so um yeah it's it's kind of it's been a roller coaster of emotions, I think is the best way to describe it. But I think um, since the kind of treatment I'm on here and uh, the care that they provided for me here in Memphis, uh, I think uh, my outlook and contentness and such um, has definitely uh, is, is my day to day kind of go about thing and just, you know, kind of see what happens tomorrow. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, and, and I think that's also through the grace of God because it's um it's really hard going to that hospital and seeing other people my age with the same types of diagnoses and stuff and such uh being wheeled around and not being able to talk to you and, um that's that's really hard to see i think so just but it's also a reminder of kind of where i should be and um you know how much god's been taking care of me in so many ways right but i explained the neural one for example but um the fact that my brain is redeveloping is kind yeah. of insane it's supposed to not happen after puberty so usually 13 to 14 your brain is supposed to stop redeveloping and kind of shifting yeah. spaces and that 
that type of thing. Yeah. So. To, to reiterate um, what you're saying, uh, you, you talked about humility and also just like living one day at a time um, and that, how that's really um, helped you kind of, um, yeah, deal with the emotions. So I just wanted to like restate that. that I thought that was really good. Yeah. Um, and um, what, so one of the questions I have is how did, you said that the hospital in Memphis helped you, they kind of helped catch you, right? So you had the help of people. Um, what did they do that was helpful um, in that time period? I think their process of not only diagnosis, but also predictions and levels of care, uh, are, there's just so much more communication around, um, which I think is very rare and for good reason with a, with a neurosurgeon in a hospital, right? I mean, if you're doing three surgeries or two surgeries a day, how are you going to have time to sit down and talk to each individual and hear how aggressive they want you to be and, you know, um, the risks that you're willing to take uh, when someone else cracks open your head and whether you want to stay awake or not, and yeah. you know, during surgery and all these types of things. Um, I think that's been like the biggest difference. Um, and uh, it's just, I feel like uh, I have a personal connection with the doctors in, in many aspects um, and just knowing who they are and knowing that they take time for me. Like before I, I let them crack my head open for the second time, I sat down um, with my like uh, radiology doctor, my uh, chemo doctor and my surgeon. And they each gave me about an hour and a half spiel. I mean, I had 50 questions for each of them. Um, but I only had to ask them one or two afterwards because they answered all the questions up front and just mm -hmm. told me how it was and, and how, how their prediction and all this type of thing. And that was so helpful for me um, yeah. because I love just like logical, like in order kind of like prognosis, diagnosis, whatever. Um, and I think that's, I don't know if it just like, it, it, I'm sure it's supposed to happen in a lot of departments and I'm not blaming UCI for this. I, I would hate having to do three neurosurgeries a day and I would not have time to sit down with the patient if I was yeah. cracking open three skulls a day. <laughs> oh, so, yeah. like I, I just, um, I think things are a little bit slower in the South for good and bad reasons and different, you know, different aspects. But I think that's been a huge blessing is like, uh, when you don't even have to ask your doctors questions because they give you yeah. the whole spiel, they'll sit down with you and talk to you yeah. about it and give you the whole good, bad, and ugly, you know, uh, and yeah. everything in between. Um, it, it feels so much more personal. And I think a lot of that's been lost in like patient doctor care. Um, mm. Not necessarily all of it. And I'm also not saying doctors are bad people. I don't want to come across like, I hate yeah. doctors, don't trust them. You know, it's right. not, not the case. I would not be where I am today without the both surgeries that I've had. So, yeah. Yeah. And, and to add to the, right. To add to the list of things that you've, you're saying you've learned is like um, being able to sit down and just have a, a conversation with the doctors um, and actually maybe even like in kind of a Tory style, like get to the truth. Like, Oh, very much so. And these, and these yeah. three doctors, like we're going to have this conversation and we're going to get to uh, what's true. We're not going to, you know, dance around the subject. Yeah. Um, sounds like that was really helpful. Super um, helpful. Yeah. And I think it's hard to do these days. I think it, I think it's hard for 
for people to interact with ugly truths, you know, because unfortunately a lot of things that are true are very ugly or painful or sad. Um, Mm -hmm. And a lot of times these days it's very uh, taboo, I think, in conversation. So um, if a doctor is willing to do that with you before they crack open your noggin, um, I mean, man, it's just so refreshing because you're like, well, at least he legitimately gave me a worst case scenario, you know, like that's what. Now, I understand that doesn't work for everybody. Not everybody right. needs to hear a worst case scenario before their surgery or whatnot. Um, but it's it's very helpful for me. It has yeah. been and still is. So how, yeah. so how have you learned, what have you learned about um, how to deal with thinking about death and hard things? So you said, you said like, it's really hard for you to be around other people who are similar age, similar diagnosis. Um, I'm assuming that's because it, it, it makes you think about those worst case scenarios. Um, what have you learned about being in those situations and being confronted by, like you said, ugly truths? Uh, yeah, I think the, I think the fact that they need to be addressed um, has, is not something that I've learned, but thankfully kind of been able to do for a long time. But I think what I've learned through that is that it doesn't need to be addressed with everybody. Um, and the whole world, I think it's it's really important that people you trust and love and respect are people that you can open up with about these type of things and share hard and ugly truths about, right? Um, and I think oftentimes uh, being too open, I suppose, or too vulnerable to those type of uh, truths, and I mean, no matter if especially if they're very hard, uh, I think is um, is is a very fine line to tread on. Um, uh, and so, and I haven't done it perfectly either, you know, I'm not an expert at it, but, um, I think what's been really refreshing for me is being still being able to function and do things that make it come across like I'm not a cancer patient. And so, so finish things and all that. And then, but still take time to reflect upon being a cancer patient and like a astrocytoma patient and what can I do for the other guys who are, you know, going through the same thing that I did. So like at the hospital, the group of those guys, we actually, we all read through the book of Job together, which was really oh, interesting. Um, yeah, but they're, uh, so the, um, they have like a, I don't know what to call it. They have like a young adult group, um, of individuals, uh, that, I've gotten to run into, and it's been really hard, I think, as stated, uh, for me to interact with them, um, because I often am am often in denial of what's going on with me, because I'm not willing to talk about it with everybody. Um, And so seeing someone who has a similar diagnosis, prognosis, um, but is actually like, like, I mean, it's a lot more realistic, I suppose, um, with how they're functioning or how they're doing. I think has often felt like a punch in the gut uh, or a reality check, I suppose. But um, what I've grown to learn is that that's healthy, you know, um, because to, to be able to understand and process that type of thing, um, because it, I mean, death being acknowledged is extremely important. Um, and I think like in the West in particular, like it's kind of been lost um, because to be fair, American medicine is very efficient and effective and, you know, has been 
prolonging lives, you know, uh, American lives have been extending for the past several decades, um, yeah. really almost centuries, um, because there's so much health care. Um, but the fact of the matter is, you know, uh, you know, no, no man will stay alive forever. And, you know, mm-hmm. um, and some men have harder lives than others. And I, I'm making this a gender, uh, humans. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, Gotcha. And uh, and so it, it almost interacting with these people um, has really helped because it really makes me feel blessed, I think, and mm-hmm. cared for um, in very certain ways um, that I don't think everybody who's going through a similar trial or the same diagnosis, prognosis as I am and have been um, has been in touch with i think maybe um so it's uh but it's also just really helpful to hear for because i think some people very much go about life um glass half empty uh you know and are looking at all the negative aspects and whatnot and i think by the grace of god i've been able to uh be a glass half full guy for a long time which is good and bad right because (laughs) it's important still to be in in touch with the reality of things that are going on. And, and so I think those are the ways that they've helped me is be in touch. Uh, Cause I think it's very rare for me to be at a hospital like that, given the care that I'm on right now and chemo and, and trial drug and all that kind of thing. Um, and still have a smile on my face, you know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and I think a ton of that's the grace of God, but also individuals like that, you know, have helped okay. me a lot along the way. Yeah. So, yeah. So when you, when you read, um, through Job with the other um, with other patients, what did that look like? Were you all reading together, or did you read separately and talk about it? Read separately and had a, a Tory forum discussion, yeah, I suppose. So, uh, and I think what it turned into is because um, I know discussion is like hard to learn. I think, and I'm still not an expert at it, um, but I think Tories helped me learn a lot through that. And so, I basically came to the meeting with a good. 15 or 20 questions instead of just one. Um, mm. And so we tried to kind of wrap things up uh, quicker because uh, people kind of like to get more to the point. And um, yeah. also it's for some of them, it was harder to communicate in general. So totally. yeah. um, giving them time and that kind did of thing. It, so. Did that prove helpful to the other, um, to the other patients? Do you think that um, that experience was, was helpful for them? I believe so. Um, you know, it's, it's very hard to tell often, uh, what someone says to you and what what they're actually feeling inside. Um, so, and and I'll, I'll say this too. I mean, it was very hard for me to be in that conversation. Um, so like, uh, just kudos to them for being willing to do that and, um, you know, step into those places and those hard things. But, um, for me personally, I guess this is one thing I'll share because, um, I shared this at the meeting too, but uh, Job has been really amazing for me because like I said, I'm a glass half full person Um, and thinking about the things I've lost through a cancer diagnosis and whatnot versus what Job had to go through and yet still Mm -hmm. found the glory of the Lord at the end and just was, you know, bowing down and basically awe of what God had been doing and is doing and will do. Um, It's just been like, I, I don't know. I don't, feel as if my life is cursed or I am, you know, Mm. living in a, you know, being forced into a dark place. I still feel 
like good and happy to have the days that I do. And, yeah. you know, God's had this plan since before I was born and that's, that's how it is, you know? So it's, um, it's, it's still important to acknowledge that the fact of the hardships and whatnot, but, but seeing Job, like I have not lost, you know, an entire house and like all my possessions and all my friends, family, loved ones, like, um, and so just having, you, you start to, I think, realize what's very important to you and what's not very important to you, I think. Um, so that's one of the biggest things I learned from it. Um, but I think, uh, you know, I, I think it works differently on everybody. So, totally. but it's, it's cool to be able to, uh, refer to a story like his, um, whenever uh you feel as if you're suffering yourself so yeah totally cool. um, yeah. um so now i want to talk a little bit about your your glass half full nature um because you've been since the the surgeries and and the chemo and the radiation you've kind of been back into real life pretty quickly um what what has that been like um i know i remember you said you'd be running like a, a triathlon, I think with the doctors or something like that. Yep. Um, yep. So, so what do next you have October. going on right now? Yeah. What do I have going on? Biggest thing I have going on is I'm getting married in late August, which is very exciting um, yes. to the girl who got me in the doctorate in the first place. Yeah. 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 So, Good choice. Good yeah. Choice. Yeah. She's, she's kind of the best. So I have to shout her out. And then, yeah. um, can, I, can I actually pause you there? Um, yeah. And you don't have to share about this. I know, you know, it's, it can, maybe it's personal, but um, for anyone who would be like interested, I, I know people who are like, think that that's an interesting choice to get, um, to get married despite a, a hard, um, you know, a hard diagnosis. Um, it, even if it's briefly, can you kind of speak to that? Like, what was your guys' thought process? Um, yeah, what made you decide to move forward in, in that way? Uh, I think um, I'll speak from my end and probably leave it there because uh, yep, I think the discussions are, um, you know, there have been a lot of them and a lot of wise counsel too. So I don't want to totally imagine, um, but not all of it's too public. But I think um, coming out of both surgeries for me and still being very functional. Um, mm -hmm. is very different uh, than me being a patient that she would have to completely take care of in a marriage. Um, totally. And so uh, that's one of many, many factors, and I'll probably just okay. leave it at that. Um, Great. But uh, yeah, there's been several good discussions between us and all the people who have helped us out. So if they're listening yeah. to this, thank you. Um, because it's a, yeah, it's a hard thing and it's a very hard decision to make. But totally. I think, and, um, and what a blessing that it was made easier by, you know, uh, your, your current condition. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think the, yeah, I think the love that we have for each other is kind of, uh, a huge factor to that too. So I'll, I'll just Beautiful. leave it at that. Yeah. Beautiful. Okay. So you've got the triathlon, you're working, um, yeah. What else do you have going on besides the, besides the wedding that you're planning? Um, I'm negotiating with the army about still commissioning and finishing up all that stuff. So, um, yeah, those are, that's a, a good little swath. I think the look into what I'm going through on a daily basis, to, uh, uh -huh. but so I only have to be in the hospital once a week. 
which is really nice because the company that I'm working for a construction company that I worked for during COVID. Um, but they're amazing and uh, they're letting me, you know, they've set me up on a site that's in between where I live in Memphis, where my hospital is. So I'm able to, um, you know, travel if need be that direction and um, still take care of the job and uh, do that kind of thing. And that's been really helpful too, because they understand that I'm actually sick and, you know, don't have a bunch of perfect days and that type of thing. So um, that's going on. And then um, right now I'm trying to figure out where I'm going to finish school um, because uh, technically I could finish a semester anywhere where ROTC is affiliated with. So trying to figure out if um, I would love to still get a degree from Biola and all that, it just may not be the practical uh, way to go about things these days. So trying to negotiate that, but also see if I can still commission in the army. That's the big, okay. it has to go up several chains of command to get signed off by everybody, but there's a lot of people vouching for me, which I'm very grateful for. Cool. So yeah, yeah, that's the, uh, I guess that's the negotiation aspect. Um, and then, yeah, other than that, just trying to train. Um, it's been hard the past month because I've been out of town every weekend um, supporting all kinds of different graduations. So right. brothers, friends, uh, fiance, uh, and a whole whole bunch of other people. So right. um, it, it'll be nice getting back into June, July because uh, like I got to run this morning and that type of thing. So more, more free time, I suppose. So. How has your training been affected? Um... I can, yeah, I'll leave it at that. How has your training been affected? Yeah, so um, if I can, I don't know how uh, interesting this is to many people, but I'm on a, a really weird and really strict diet, um, and uh, which I'm always against. I've always been against for a long time. I don't think okay. diets are necessarily healthy for people, but I consider myself not a healthy individual. So right. that's why, uh, so the, the reason I'm dieting right now is not for health or, you know, trying to get skinny or trying to get thick or whatever, however guys say it, um, yeah. I'm dieting, uh, to try and beat this cancer. So, right. um, which has been really interesting because I basically don't really eat carbs anymore or sugar, which are kind of two okay. of the best things that God's graced this earth with. Yeah. I mean, Amen. you literally see him, Jesus, you know, breaking bread at the table, right? <laughs> so, yeah. Or a glass of wine and that kind of thing and this stuff yeah. I'm not eating anymore. So, or drinking. Okay. So uh, that's, I think that's been hard. Um, but I, I feel like it's for a good reason. And so far, like I even got another MRI yesterday and my cancer's in remission, which is like right. amazing. Yeah. And so yeah. it's, um, it's another thing that's not really supposed to be happening right now. So mm. um, I think it's, it's really odd because I've gone down 30 pounds because I'm very much more of a cardio bunny these days. I'm not <laughs> doing a whole lot of uh, lifting has always been my favorite type of working out. I love uh compound lifts, Olympic lifts, that kind of thing. Um, and I got into working out through CrossFit, um, essentially. So all the barbell stuff is my favorite. Um, and I'm not doing a whole lot of that these days. Um, but I will tell you what, dropping 30 pounds is a lot easier for me to run around <laughs> and go yeah, biking and that yeah. type of thing. <laughs> yeah. So, um, cause yeah, I would walk around ROTC and such and college and all that at around 200 pounds. Um, which was really good and really healthy for carrying lots of weight on your back and that type of thing. Um, yeah. and now I'm, I'm very much a cardio bunny, so I'm not, uh, bunny. not training to carry, carry weight, but just to carry myself kind of quickly, at least trying yeah. to. So I'm at, uh, I'm at 220 right now. So 
running. I haven't been running in a while. It's yeah. it's a uh, big know, boy season. Work. Yeah. Yeah. Um, do you feel? Have you been able to like recover your energy? Like, has the diet helped you recover the energy and kind of the motivation to um, to train? I think that's the other thing is, yeah, between the diet and the chemo that I'm on right now, I, I do not have half as much motivation to train uh, as I used to. Um, But I think for me, what's really helped with that is that I have schedules laid out for myself, um, which might sound really odd, but it it really helps me kind of stick to something, you know, Mm -hmm. and, uh, and roll with it. And so that's, what's been working for me because it used to be like, really easy to get up and train and that's the part i'm looking forward to but you know uh the chemo that i've been on for a long time and between that and the trial drug that i'm on like they've taken out most of my like uh my soft tissue like between joints and stuff like that so just even running on concrete is a lot more painful than it used to be and um you know kind of running uh feverish stuff and that kind of thing too so it's just very different than it used to be um and i'm trying to learn how to rest more too because i'm I'm very bad at that. So yeah, your your yeah. Whole training philosophy probably comes becomes a lot less about how hard can I push myself and more about you know how can I keep myself operating at a you know at a functional level. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Which is is very different because it was it used to be all my workouts whether it was weightlifting, running, or you know CrossFit or bodybuilding, what whatever it was, it was always like max effort maximum weight you know maximum amount of reps you know as quick as you can go and now i'm learning to have days where i literally do like zone two and three work uh, like for cardiovascular endurance and which is very different than how it used to be it was always like go as fast as you can for as long as you can (laughs) you know but like so i did a a run this morning you know and i was keeping my heart in zone three which means i had to keep it like at a like 850 ish pace which is um like I don't know. I just consider it very like slow, I guess, compared yeah. to how I used to run around, you know, but totally. it's, it's, it's honestly really good for you and it's healthy. So, <laughs> uh, yeah. trying to actually like taper up, uh, and, and plan and that kind of thing, types of workouts instead of just go until you drop. <laughs> right. So, yeah. yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, so kind of to summarize again, we talked about, um, the humility we talked about, um, the community, the benefit of being in community. Um, we talked about confronting the, the harsh truths, um, and kind of looking at those in the face. Um, is there anything else, um, that you would say, Hey, I really learned this maybe about my, uh, either my faith or myself or the people around me, um, through this whole process? Yeah, I think, um, there's just been a lot more of a practical knowledge of the Lord's work, like in my life for me, Mm. uh, which is not to say go get sick to get closer to the Lord, I think, but I, I think, um, I think hard times and hard, uh, hard things, um, which is not to say, go do them, you know, like go, but, uh, their reality of this life, I think. And, um, but it's important to, it makes you really focus more on your hope, uh, and your salvation, I think, and the blessing of, um, 
of how taken care of you still are in so many ways. Um, and so like, I think just, uh, closeness with, uh, not just with, uh, fellow Christians and, uh, both churches in California and my church here that have more than taken care of me and my entire family. Um, but, uh, a personal relationship because some days it's you on your knees begging and pleading and being angry, you know, and that's, um, that's how your, your walk is, you know, on some days and some days you're rejoicing and grateful and glad. And, um, I, I think that's something that's very lost or I think, I think the, the angry and frustrated, um, uh, moments with the Lord have been very lost in most form and that. I don't want to say forms of Christianity, but most um, most people's day to day interaction with the yeah. the Lord, and um, I don't think they're they're wrong, and uh, I think it's actually really helpful to speak to God about what's on your mind and what's hurting, and uh, mm. and what makes you angry, and what makes you sad, you know, um, and lay those out in front of Him, um, because th- and that doesn't mean He will you know give you an answer to whatever question you're asking or whatnot. But it's still like it, it's so important to be open and honest with the Lord about and and asking um, and asking questions and uh, even if they don't become answered, I think uh, yeah. it just it really um, it it has firmed uh, my trust in Him and His work. Uh, I think significantly over the past several months, um, and so I would just highly recommend for everybody if you have a hard day just you know be angry about it you know if that's if that's the case or be sad about it instead of um trying to blame it on other things and just open it up to the lord you know and um yeah and he may lead you one way or the other and and you may not feel a response you know and that's that's all that's okay but i think to be able to be open and vulnerable with those type of things not just with the lord but with people you really trust is very important um very hard to do in modern society so yeah, that's really good. Um, and probably the flip side of that is when things are going well, be grateful. Um, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. yeah. yeah. So, yeah, not to just put the, once again, a glass half full. So also, you know, yeah, praise yeah. in miraculous ways and that type of thing, too. I'm not saying that yeah. the only thing you need to be doing towards the Lord is complaining. But <laughs> I think both of those things are super important, though, the, the because together between the gratitude and the uh, mourning and frustration it means that you know whatever your day looks like you're you are turning to the lord um and practicing you know either way of interacting with him is is really important um, yeah so my my last question for you would have been what's your what's your advice um to people who are healthy you know um yeah and i think you've you've summed it up perfectly right there. It seems like it answers it. Yeah. 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 Um, well, that's all I've got, Cam. Good thanks deal. so much for doing this. Um, yeah. Thanks for having me. Really yeah, appreciate I it. Think, I think your story is beautiful, a beautiful testament, uh, to what the Lord is doing. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm super privileged to, uh, to get to talk to you about it. So yeah. Well, thanks for asking good questions. You're a great question yeah, yeah, asker. Of course. That's so, all I can do. That's yeah. All I can do. No, I appreciate um, it. All right. Yeah. Signing off. Sounds good.